0: All right, so did I have Jonathan Nelson on the line. He's the managing director over at Hack Fund 5 and also the founder and CEO at Hackers and Founders. Uh, Jonathan, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Adam. Thanks for having me. Really excited about this.
0: So um, I'm excited to get into what you're doing um, both at uh, Hack Fund 5 and uh, Hackers and Founders. But before we do that, let's get into your background a little bit more. So, how'd you get started as an entrepreneur and in business? <laughs>
1: I'm a strange child, Um, and it was a very bizarre path to get here. Um, In a nutshell, um, I grew up overseas. Mom and dad um, were missionaries, and so my experience of money was living in a country whose exchange rate went from $8 to $1 to $160 to $1 within eight years, and so we were really rich um towards the end of that period in you know Costa Rica during that currency crisis which is where I grew up and then when we came back to the states mom and dad were you know they were preachers and so we lived on a preacher's salary and so we were poor um and so like I had a hard time wrapping my mind around how money worked because it wasn't correlated to how many hours you put in it was much more correlated to our geographic location of where our suitcases were open at that time. So when I moved back to the States as an adult, um, uh, my dad talked me out of majoring in computer science back in 1990 because he was pretty um, convinced that computers were video game machines. And he said, you know, son, if you want to, you know, kind of do anything (laughs) related to helping people, you should be a nurse like your mother was. And I was like, okay, yes, sir, I'll become a nurse. And so I did. (laughs) And I found myself working as a nurse, selling hours of my life, saying, you know, this kind of sucks because I don't really love this job and I want to do something else with my life. You know, I want to travel. I want to, you know, pursue this and that and the other thing. But to do that, I need to sell more hours of my life and work overtime and that means I have less time to do the things that I like and so Hmm. I was really puzzled at this and I was complaining to my wife about that I'm like is this what people do in this country like they just sell hours of their lives and she was like yeah honey they work (laughs) and I'm like (laughs) well this kind of sucks like how long do I have to do this she's like until you retire I'm like okay you retire like Well, how much money would I need to be able to retire? And so I did kind of some back of the napkin calculations (laughs) and I'm like, okay, I need to figure out how to make 4 million bucks so I can put that in the bank and retire. Um, How does this whole money thing work in this country anyway? Like selling hours of your life, it's going to be a lot of hours at 20, 25 bucks an hour working on a nurse's salary to get there. And so I just, I as I said, I'm a weird child. I started to figure out how does this whole money thing work and is there something else that I can sell um, to figure out how to make money. And that was really the genesis of my entrepreneurial journey. Um, eventually, I heard that you could sell ones and zeros, like you could sell software. And that seemed like a genius thing to me because you can essentially copy and paste ones and zeros. Um so how do I do that? You know, if I sell an app for a buck, hey, that's awesome. If I can sell a mill, 4 million apps for a buck, I have my $4 million, you know, mark and now I can, now I have, you know, fuck you money and I can retire. Um, how do I do that? And so I went back to school for software engineering to learn how to build a technology company. And I did that as an adult. I was 33 when I went back to school for software engineering and we moved back to Silicon Valley. And I started trying to figure out how this whole money thing worked, how you could actually sell a company, how you can actually sell software to make a living. Um, and, you know, that was 15 years ago. I went back to school for software engineering. I moved to Silicon Valley 11 years ago. Um, and it's, it's, the, the story has only gotten a little bit weirder since then, but
0: <laughs> wow. I think wow the, what, that is an interesting story so how interesting your perception on money and because uh that I mean that's a very unique experience well at least for um from my from my point of view right yeah. having grown up and lived in the, in the United States my whole time but obviously everybody that lived in that area during that time period has a certain perception of money that's much more similar to yours than mine um, so that's really interesting so that affects all of your decisions I'm guessing along the way and also um, business decisions and other things because you have a whole different vantage point uh, so I'd be interesting to hear how you answer this um, so there's some other obviously let's just say people that are graduating in college or maybe they didn't go to college or maybe they find themselves in positions that they don't like maybe they're in that position in this case for you it was nursing um, um, where they kind of feel stuck what kind of um, like advice would you give them on, on breaking free and, and kind of pursuing what they want to do? You know, um, one of the best – so
1: I went to college for a good 12 years. I never let that get in the way of my education, and I never let a degree stop me from learning what I wanted to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I studied probably eight different topics. Eventually, I finished most of a software engineering degree, Um, My terminal degree is an associate's degree in nursing. Um, Mm -hmm. I have since served as an advisor to the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission on Capital Formation. And Hackers and Founders is one of the largest networks of tech entrepreneurs globally. Um, And so I'm a fan of being insanely curious, learning widely, um, and learning how money works is an insanely helpful tool set no matter what it is that you actually do just because i think money is the way that we actually use to kind of exchange things of value and you know money as an end in and of itself like oh my gosh oh my gosh oh my gosh i want money i don't necessarily think it's helpful because there's many different ways to get there um, it's not easy it's not hard but you know, what do you want to do with your life? How do you accomplish that? Um, and chances are you're going to have to have some money to actually get there. And so using how to use money as a set of tools, I think, is insanely valuable. Um, and it's a strange, like, the deeper you go into, like, how money, what money is and how it works and how credit works, that, it's just it's a strange, bizarro world that's not intuitively obvious when you just swipe a credit card or, you know, buy a hamburger. Um, So I would say be curious, learn broadly, and focus on optimizing for money points in what you do.
0: Wow, yeah I can I can see that because money overall is going to really dictate you know some of the so you, how you spend your time day to day and I love the, the earlier point you made about trading you know dollars for ones and zeros, copying uh-huh. for ones and zeros. so so if you could figure that out, then I guess you're you're kind of working the problem backwards. Yeah uh, no I I like it I lo- I love the advice. Um so Jonathan I want I want to switch it up a bit. Let's get more into what you're doing over at uh Hack Fun 5 and also um at Hackers and Founders. You told us a little bit about it. Let's get a little bit more into it though. Um so what kind of problems are you uh solving and what kind of people are you helping?
1: Yeah no so I had this Hackers and Founders meetup so that um, I could really just get out of my wife's hair. Honestly, it was her idea. She kind of kicked me out of the house one night a month, so I had to go to a bar and talk to somebody else about entrepreneurship and startups and that sort of thing. And I started. We started in the last economic downturn, having literally thousands of entrepreneurs from around the globe come to these meetups in bars in Mountain View in Silicon Valley. They wanted to start having similar meetups back in their own country, and that's how this global network of um, hackers and founders meetups have been created, I think we've had events in about 150 cities around the globe, and about 300,000 tech entrepreneurs have attended our events. Um, And I was really intent on building a software company, but I kept on having conversations with literally tens of thousands of entrepreneurs from around the globe, and we would all complain about similar things, like it's impossible to raise money for, uh, as an entrepreneur, it's almost impossible to raise money for your idea. Um, It's impossible to raise money for your startup. Then I started looking at why is this? Why is capital so hyper-concentrated in Silicon Valley? Um, We eventually started a business six years ago of helping companies land in Silicon Valley, helping them get set up, get capital ready, help them raise capital, and then helping them grow their businesses. Um, That kind of services business, we've worked with about 60 companies. We've helped them raise over $125 million in capital um the nine of those companies have actually been acquired by other companies one by cisco one by facebook um and and that was kind of the genesis of hack funds was these companies would essentially we'd end up kind of investing blood sweat and tears into these companies they'd pay us a bit of stock we pooled that stock um and sold off kind of part of the pools to kind of pay our rent and pay our bills um and those were our first four funds um Hot Fund 5 is really addressing a lot of these problems of what, if I'm in Peoria, if I'm in Santa Monica, if I'm in, you know, um, Buenos Aires, if I'm in, you know, Zug, Switzerland, why is it so hard for me to actually raise money for my company to actually be able to pursue entrepreneurship? And when I was at the SEC, we did this root cause analysis, um, on why that is, capital is very hyper concentrated in Silicon Valley, two thirds of the world's venture capital gets invested within this weird little, you know, 50, 70 square mile part of the world, you know, incredibly concentration of wealth. Why that is, is because 85% of the world's mergers and acquisitions and technology happen in Silicon Valley. So people buy and sell tech companies here And the mechanism by how investing works is if I invest in the Money Matters podcast, I would only make money if you sold your podcast to a Google, to an Apple, to a, you know, iHeartRadio, to someone like that for, you know, millions of dollars. At that point, I would make money on that investment. It's only when companies get sold or when they IPO that the investors make money. So if I have a business idea and I want to raise money for that, I'm selling stock and what I'm pitching to investors is that if you buy my stock at this price now in five years, 10 years, I will let you sell that stock again at a much higher price. And so if you're not in Silicon Valley, it's really hard to have investors believe you that you're going to make that promise. What we're doing at Hack Fund to change that is, we're actually taking a fund to IPO. The weird thing about this is that as a fund that's listed on a stock exchange, think of it like a mutual fund or like an ETF, but they just invest in startups. And so, an investor can buy shares in my fund that trade that will trade on the London Stock Exchange. We take that money, we invest it in the startups and the investors in the fund can buy, sell, and trade my stock whenever they want to. The superpower that that gives me is I can invest in a company as long as that company grows in value by growing their revenue. So, for instance, if I were – and I'm not pitching you an investment. I'm not writing investment checks for the next six months. But if I were to invest in Money Matters podcast, my my ask of you would never be – how are you going to sell your company to let me sell my stock again? My ask is, if I buy part of your company, how are we going to grow the value of Money Matters podcast over the long term? Primarily, how do we grow your revenue? Can we grow your revenue 30 50 100% year over year? If we can figure out a way to do that, that actually makes a solid investment for a publicly traded venture fund.
0: Yeah, I mean and it, it reminds me a lot of uh, the, how how mutual funds are um are constructed in China. So it's yeah. essentially it's essentially a mutual fund with private equity and um um components when you look under the hood. Um, absolutely so the, value, the valuation is much trickier to do because unlike um, and for the for the audience that may not be following along think about uh, mutual funds in the united states mutual funds in the united states um, you have a tech fund just to use an example it may hold apple apple is a publicly traded vehicle so you can go on you can go online you can go on yahoo you can go on google and you could say okay how much is our apple stock um our apple shares trading for today so you can understand the valuation of what's within that basket, which comprises the mutual fund. Um, in this case, it's more uh, in, in in China and some other countries that use this model a little bit more. Their version of a mutual fund, in, in many instances, the underlying assets are not publicly traded companies or on a um, uh, on a stock exchange. So the valuation is much similar, much more similar to the lines of um, of private equity. Uh, so the investments are made. It's a little bit trickier on valuing, but. Um, The benefit in this case with the approach that you're going for is that you're going for potentially some high growth companies. You're not looking you're looking at, you're working within the startup space. So in theory, you know, potentially more risk, um, but potentially more reward. And again, that's, you know, neither here nor there. There's a lot of variables on that one. So not passing judgment on either way on that. But that being said, um, bringing that model here does that make that much more interesting from, um, as you illustrated, the company side that chooses to allow the investment um, because now they're gaining potentially the, uh, if done correctly, um, they're also gaining the uh, same characteristics and same positives that you could argue come out of an incubator or a tech incubator. So meaning that the, you know, the transfer of knowledge potentially, the um, also uh, logistics in terms of um, infrastructure, maybe. I mean, there's a lot of different things also, yep. but the knowledge, the knowledge component, the network component so important in tech. Um, so I get what you're doing. It's, it's really interesting and definitely um uh, far-reaching, and I love how it came about really uh, organically through what you were building. As I would argue, more of a passion at first, right? Hackers and founders. I'd argue that was more of a passion project at first. I, I don't know if you or did you know, like as soon as you started, you're like oh, this is going to be one of the biggest ever. Did, did you oh know? no 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 <laughs> not at all. I mean,
1: literally, it was me and a handful of dudes in a bar having. But I time. thought <laughs> like, and and then it kept on growing and growing and growing, and I was at the <laughs> point where like, God, I don't. Like, this is not supposed to be a business. There is no business with, like, getting together with people in a bar. Yes, like there is. Drinking, and what I kept on thinking about was, you know, holy crap, we can get a little bit of stock in, you know, 100 companies yes, yes. over the next 10 years. Of course, of course. And one of those becomes a Pinterest. One of those becomes an Uber. You know, at that point, we buy an island, sure. and that. That is actually a fairly reasonable assumption if you can get a broad enough diversified portfolio of startups. Um, No,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. And and that's the, and that's the, that's the game and that's the numbers and that's the, and obviously expertise. And I mean, that's how these incubators, right? That's how they, it's literally melding, like, let's say three different models, private equity, incubators, uh, mutual fund and stock investing. um, All of those kind of melded is what is what it ends up being in the end. Um, well, Jonathan, if somebody's listening to this and they want to um, connect with you or, or learn more either about uh, Hack Fund 5 or Hackers and Founders, um, what's the best way for them to reach out?
1: Yeah, no, so they can actually connect at hackfunds.com. Um, they can actually learn more about what we're doing at there. Um, if you want to learn more about Hackers and Founders and kind of our global entrepreneurship community, you can go to hf.cx. Um, is the website there. And if you want to connect with me personally, um, you can just look me up, Jonathan Nelson, um, on LinkedIn. And I'm something of a LinkedIn horror, And I you know, connect pretty aggressively with people who actually reach out. Um, so uh, one thing I do want to mention, because lawyers, um, is we cannot actively sell hack fund stock to um, retail investors in the United States. And so I'm not pitching people for investment. Um, eventually, I would like to get there on the regulatory side. but doing this in the United States costs me an extra three to five million dollars as opposed to doing this in London.
0: Ah. Sounds great. Um, appreciate, yep. the, appreciate the preface, uh, Jonathan. Um, and uh, to the listeners, uh, well, Jonathan, thank you for coming on the show and sharing your expertise and your background. And to the listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in. Hope you got a lot of value out of this. Um, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, leave me a review, do all those great things we do to support our podcasters. I really do appreciate it. And uh, Jonathan, thanks again for coming on the show. Mm-hmm.